why is the book of Psalms in the Bible? Why is this literature so important from God's perspective, this, these worship songs, these, this poetry? There's prophetic elements in the Psalms, but I would love to hear your thoughts. What is it about this kind of literature? Um, why do you think he put that in the scripture for us? Does anyone have any thoughts? I will just jump right in and say, I personally think that much of it might have to do with the intimacy and the emotions that are poured out uh, in the Psalms. You know, it's all, all across the board, the, the pain, the struggle, the questions, the love, the adoration, the worship, the praise, the uncertainty, the times of fear. It's all the human emotions that are coming out um, from those who are seeking his face. And even their confirmations coming back and revealing how the Holy Spirit is shifting their attitudes and their heart from one state to another. And I think we see a reflection of that um, walk with the Lord through prayer in the Psalms. Amen. I love, I love everything you said and I completely agree. And I think that's such a key word, intimacy. What does it say about if, if, if the Bible is a love letter from God to the world, and it really is a revelation of who he is, the way he thinks, how he feels, what does it say about our God that he's given us these 150 um, songs to meditate on, to think about, and as you said, uh, Krista, you know, to connect with him emotionally over? You know, we're not serving a distant, angry God who is um, indifferent to human experience or indifferent to human emotion. We are made in his image and we have emotions because he does. And I don't know if that's a foreign thought, you know, growing up in my, as a, as a believer, I, I was taught almost stoicism. Um, you know, don't, don't raise your hands in church, um, you know, and it, we honor God by, by kind of stifling our emotions. We don't want to get too emotional here because we don't want to be led astray. But then when you read the Psalms, you're like, emotions are everywhere in the Psalms. And, and it's, uh, the authors are pouring their hearts out before the Lord. And I, I just wanted to us to kind of get our minds in this space of what, what does this teach us about our creator? And what does it teach us about the, the the nature of relationship that he is desiring to have with us. If these are uh, in some way to serve as a model of connecting and communing with God, uh, what did these Psalms reveal to us about his desires for us and the kind of relationship he wants to have with us? Um, I'll just leave a little space here. Does anyone else want to jump in and throw out some comments? I think that um, to think that our savior repeated those Psalms mm -hmm. that they were near and dear to his heart as he spoke to the Lord, which is like offering up this, the depth of his being to his father. Our father is, is kind of mind boggling. And um, it's just one of those examples 
like Krista said of the intimacy, but the range of emotion and that knowing that he um, shared his experiences through those Psalms as well is, is makes them so much richer. Love it. Amen. You know, if we were to put one word over the entire book of Psalms, um, I, I would choose the word prayer. Um, you know, because worship can be included in prayer, um, crying out the de declaration. It's a, it's this big canopy. And I think sometimes we can, in the church, think about prayer as like, well, these are my petitions. I go before God and just, I have my prayer list that I work through. And that is prayer. But I think biblically, it's so broad what would constitute prayer. I would just basically, the basic definition I can come up with is just prayer is communication with God. And the Psalms are this communication channel. I mean, the whole Bible is, but I feel like the Psalms are given to us as these launching points into engaging God and communicating with our, with the creator. Um, and to your point, Lois, Jesus is using these Psalms to communicate with the heavenly father. And I've been thinking as I've been kind of going through the Psalms this week about, about the Lord and how, how he said to his disciples, um, you know, he unfolds after he's resurrected Luke 24, 44, he shows how the, the Torah, the Mosaic law and the prophets and the writings were all testifying of him. And so he is unfolding and basically showing his Jewish disciples, hey guys, the entire Old Testament is about me. And so when we think about when Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 15, I want you to remain in me, abide in my word and allow my word to abide and remain in you. Remain in my love and allow my love to remain in you, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, you're you're a, a, a branch that's con connected to the vine. And as I was thinking about that in relationship to what the Lord wanted me to share tonight, I want us to start in that place of just thinking about prayer as communication with God, and it's much broader um, and deeper than most than, than we can ever really get to the bottom of. And that's, that's a very encouraging thought. Um, you know, I was thinking about like a, a good visual illustration to kind of share with you guys to kind of illustrate what I was thinking about. You know, when you, when you go into an airport, you have all these different uh, jetways and, and gates, right? That are going to all these different, many, many destinations. I don't know how many gates there would be in, in a really, really large airport. But let's, you know, there's just hundreds of these gates and they're all going to different destinations. And I think the book of Psalms, um, and it's like you can get on any one of these concepts and take off and go to this destination to, to Krista's point, anywhere in the human experience, you can choose to go into that concept in a place of communion with God. And, you know, I want to say something up front with you guys. I'm going to use a word that in some, in some respects, I think the church can kind of treat it as a taboo word, but it's absolutely not taboo. It belongs in the church, and the word is meditation. The New Age has hijacked and co-opted a word that belongs to us. 
This is our, this is the key of David. This, the word meditation, meditating day and night on his word. Uh, as we lay on our bed, as, as we go out along the path, what, is, what does that mean to meditate? And it's like we're setting our mind on these concepts that are in the Psalms. And these are like those jetways. You can board this plane and go to this different destination. You're not physically relocating anywhere, but your, your heart and your mind and your spirit are ascending somewhere through the gift of focusing your imagination on truth. And so I wanted to read a verse really quickly um, to kind of encourage us as we're going down this path. Uh, it's found in, in Colossians chapter three, and listen to what, what the apostle Paul says. If you have been raised with Christ, this is in verse one, chapter three of Colossians. Uh, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I think the Psalms are this, is, is this spiritual airport. You can go into so many different places that are true in God. You know, he is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my shield, my strong tower, my strong, he's my deliverer. Um, you know, you're crying out for all these different things, worshiping God. There's so many majestic Psalms detailing the beauty of who he is as a creator of the heavens and the earth. And so I wanted us to kind of start with that thought of the Psalms are given to us, I believe, to help us set our, set our minds on things above. And so they're, they're a really quick way of connecting emotionally and just engaging because they're so relatable to the human experience. Um, and so this idea of communication, you know, we live on the earth, but as Paul said, we're actually raised with Christ and we're seated with him in the heavenly realms. And so we are bilocational. We're in these two places at the same time. And on the earth, you know, Jesus said in this life and in this world, you're going to have trouble. So just like David has storms and, and Moses and Joseph and all the heroes of the faith go through difficult times, they have that channel of communication called prayer open. And they're, they're talking to God and they're receiving intelligence and information and wisdom and truth and setting their minds on things above is one of the secrets and one of the gifts that I think the book of Psalms gives to the body of Christ to connect us and to, to walk out that, um, that living, breathing, intimate relationship that Krista was talking about through every season, all the ups and downs, trials and challenges and joys, the book of Psalms is there for us to communicate with the Lord and, and take off in that airport and go to these des destination points and grow in our understanding of who he is and allow that truth to permeate our hearts and our minds and our understanding. You know, the Bible says that he desires truth in the inmost being. Um, so I want to read something too, just to encourage us. A friend of mine sent this to me the other day, and um, this is from David Wilkerson. He had a uh, devotional, and I just think this connects as we think about communication and prayer 
and being on the earth and the Lord saying, you know, when we, when we're, he teaches us to pray, pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. The reality of, of his realm coming through us into our realm here on earth. And we're conduits of the kingdom of God through wherever he has us placed. But prayer and that connect, connectivity is so key and vital to that. So I just want to share a few thoughts from an uh, amazing man of God, David Wilkerson. And he says, um, he's talking about the word kept in the Bible, you know, where it says, Jesus says to the father, I've kept all that you've given me from the, from the evil one. He's kept us. He's, he's holding us. So he says, um, Christ prayed to the father concerning his disciples saying, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And that's obviously a reference to Judas. Uh, the disciples were sustained by a mighty power outside of themselves. They could not have made it a single day without Christ's keeping power. What a glorious prayer Christ prayed on our behalf. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil word, from the evil one. In the Greek, the word kept is very expressive. It means to, quote, establish a military outpost, to guard, to him in, to protect with a garrison, to establish a fortress with a full military line, with full military apparatus, to discern the enemy far in advance, and to protect from danger. Not only is the Lord a strong tower, but he establishes in, in us a fully manned military base. We actually become a powerful outpost with armies of soldiers and weapons ready for combat and with a lookout who sees the oncoming enemy far in advance. Jesus prayed, keep them from evil. It also means deliverance from the effect of, or influence of anything bad, evil, grievous, harmful, lewd, malicious or wicked and deliverance from Satan himself and all that is corrupt or diseased. Put it all together and it seems almost too good to believe. We are God's military outpost protected by a fully equipped spiritual army in full battle array, completely informed of every enemy plan and device, wholly defended against Satan and every evil power. We can now understand what the scripture says when it says, he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Really love what the Lord gave Pastor Wilkerson to kind of give the body of Christ there. And I want you guys to think about that and carry that as we talk about prayer. You know, we're these fully functioning military bases that have full military apparatus in the spirit. You know, sometimes we can be like... Um, the, the servant of the prophet who was like, we are surrounded. We are outnumbered. We are outgunned. And the prophet's like, Lord, open his eyes. And he's like, there's more for us than are against us. And we can forget, you know, this isn't a tug of war where God and Satan are equal and, and they're, they're pulling against each other uh, equally with the same amount of power. No, Satan is a created being. God is infinitely powerful. And so he, he, his power is in us, which is why Jesus said, you know, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer for I have overcome 
the world. But I think the gift of the book of Psalms is, is, is a way in which the Lord wants his word to abide in us and for us to ascend in, through the, the, these scriptures in, and engage in these concepts so that his truth can permeate our understanding and can lift. He's the lifter of our heads. He's the lifter of our hearts. And, and so as we've been going through the Psalms, I've just been thinking about some of these things. And, uh, and so, you know, Jesus coming back to the Lord, this disciples ask him a really simple question. Uh, or would you teach us how to pray? So I want to look at the Lord's prayer as a model uh, of prayer tonight. And again, keeping that idea of um, the airport where these are little gateways, little doorways of interaction that we can have. You know, we can pray the Lord's Prayer in the 15-second version, you know, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Amen. That's a really good prayer. I mean, Jesus taught us to pray that. And there's nothing wrong with praying the 15-second prayer. But what I want to hold out to you tonight is uh, I think the Lord is inviting us as his sons and daughters to get lost in what the words actually mean. Like the word father, you know, Jesus could have chosen a lot of other words there that would have been true about God, our creator, our master. Um, he could have just said, Lord. But he teaches us to pray about, he says, when you pray, pray to your heavenly father. And so there's a doorway right there that we can open. And we can go in. We don't have to rush past and continue down the prayer so that we complete the prayer as an assignment. We can hang out with the Lord in that space right there. You are my father. You are my father. And all that is good that we understand about that word father, God is the ultimate fulfillment of that reality. And I know a lot of us, and we come from broken human examples of human fatherhood and, you know, mothers and fathers are in, in human sense are going to fail us and let us down. Um, but the Lord wants us to engage on this reality of like, he's a really good father. He's a protector. He's a provider that shield, that fountain of wisdom. You know, when you think about what, what do you glean when you think about the, who the ultimate father would be in your, in your reality? You know, I think that of that word safety. You're, a father provides safekeeping. You're, you're in his house. You're under his blessing. You're under his authority. Um, and in that is safety and protection. And Jesus wants us to engage that reality as we're walking down this, the Lord's prayer. I don't believe he intended us to just rush through it. But he wants these words for us to inhabit those words. Like, again, we're going to remain in his word. His word is going to remain in us. And, of course, I'm using the Lord's prayer as the model that Jesus gave us to pray. But, again, Think about all the Psalms can be the same way. I'm just picking the Lord's Prayer as an example. 
um, where we can get into the mental uh, discipline and the spiritual discipline of meditation. And so every day we can pray this prayer multiple times a day, however many times the, the spirit leads you to pray, but it lines us up. Like when you, when you button a shirt, right? You got to start with the top button. And I think of the Lord's prayer as like getting everything kind of lined up, come back in, no matter what is going on in your world, no matter what's falling apart, no matter how good, bad, sad, or ugly your week is, open that door. And Jesus says, remember, he's your father. He's good. Talk to your father about what's going on in your world. And remember, he's in heaven. You know, you're, remember where you're seated. Everything could be going wrong on the earth realm. Sorrows and, and challenges and pains and betrayals. But we are seated where Christ is at the right hand of the Father. And remember, you know, we're called to keep our minds set on the things that are above. The temptation all around us is to despair and to be discouraged and to allow the circumstances of this world to overwhelm us and discourage us. You know, I think about that story we read with King David um, when he's on the run and he's in Ziklag. And if you remember the story, um, these bandits come in and they, they take all the wives, all the children, all the goods. David's men are ready to basically kill him. He has no one in the world except God. And it said, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. And I think this is that reality. Um, remembering where God dwells, that in an instant, by changing his mind and what, what his focus was, David was able to find strength in the midst of a great challenge that ultimately could have ended his life. I mean, they wanted to kill him. And yet in a moment, just by redirecting his gaze and his intellect, his imagination and his mind, setting it on the things of above, that were above, he possessed spiritual stamina, strength, grace, wisdom for that very moment. And it unlocked the, the right next step for David and for his, for his people. And of course, they get every, you know, the Lord's with them and they recover all the wives and, and all the children and everything is restored. Um, <clears throat> so in this prayer, this model that Jesus is getting, remember he's your father and remember where he is and where you are. You're praying down from heavenly authority down through into your circumstances. We're not crying up up at God under, under the power of these circumstances that are stifling us. And we're trying to punch through this. That's not what's happening. We are actually seated above and we're praying down with his authority, with his truth into those realities. And, and every time we pray this prayer, we need to remember who he is, where we're actually seated and praying from. And then the prayer goes on and says, hallowed be your name. And this is a callback, I mean, right to the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hallowed, this idea of fear and reverence and honor. Hallowed be your name. 
you know, the name of God. How many names are there for the Lord in the scriptures? You could go again, open that door and look, think about all the names that the Lord has in the Bible. Maybe you're facing a spiritual battle. Well, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name out of Exodus. Maybe you need healing. Right? Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. Right? Maybe it's a financial pressure. Jehovah Yireh, God is our provider. El Shaddai, the wonderful counselor, prince of peace, almighty God. Right? Alpha and Omega, the one who knows no beginning and will know no end. I mean, all of these names of God are destinations that we could go into as concepts and allow the beauty and allow the spirit to take us by the hand and lead us to his very heart and his very nature in those places. Um, in a very real way, it's like we can kind of open that door and go to Narnia, you know, the, the wardrobe. You go to another dimension, you go to another realm, another place in the spirit. Um, and I, I think that we've lost this in the church because we, we don't want to get too emotional or we don't want to get too mystical. And so I think the enemy has talked us out of our birthright or part of our birthright, which is to commune with him. He wants us, remember Jesus' prayer. John 17, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. I mean, Jesus had a, a pretty mystical communion with the Heavenly Father. I mean, he, he's getting information that is supernaturally downloaded throughout his entire walk on the earth. And he's saying he wants us to be one with the Father as he and the Father are one. Um, so I'm not trying to get spooky or weird or anything. I just just trying to be really, really uh, what I believe the Bible teaches is that we are body, soul and spirit. And it all lines up with the word of God. And we bring our, we, you know, we've been born again. We have a new spirit and we need to bring our soul into alignment with that, which is why David says, like, bless the Lord, O my soul. He commands his soul to line up with the truth. And so I love, you know, Derek Prince talks about this and he says, you know, your spirit is the most holy, righteous thing about you is, is your spirit. It's born again. It's from God. Your soul is kind of the gearbox, the mechanism. Uh, your body, is, your body, while it was originally intended good, it's dwelling in the earth realm and you have all kinds of uh, sin and lust and things that are pulling on your body. But your soul, when you submit it to the Holy Spirit, your body will follow that and line up correctly, or you can take your soul and submit it to the spirit of the age or carnal desire, and your body will follow it that way. So your soul is kind of this mechanism, this gearbox where you're, and it's made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so when we're saying things like, I think, well, that's your mind. I want, that's your will. I feel, well, that's your emotions. That's all your soul talking. We all have it. And the call of the scriptures and discipleship is to line up and bring our, our, our souls and therefore our bodies under the, the uh, Im impulse and the direction and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is when Jesus is talking about us being one with him and the Father. It's, it's lining up with that truth. 
And so we come back to that idea of like, when we're putting on our shirt, we're tying it up in the top button. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. It doesn't matter what's going on in my world. I don't understand. I have limited vision. I have finite knowledge. You are infinite and you are good. I'm going I'm to honor and bless and revere your name. I'm going to fear the one who can throw my soul into hell and destroy my body. I'm not going to even fear the one who can just kill my body. And we begin to line up with the truth again. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this, of course, you know, we see Jesus living this out in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's wrestling with the will of the Father. He's saying, if there's any other way that, you, you know, could you take this cup from me? Lord, if there's, Father, if there's any other way that we can accomplish without me having to go through what I'm about to endure, please. But not my will, yours be done. And so there it is. His soul is experiencing pressure and all of the human emotion that would be in that moment to the point where he's sweating blood. He's under so much trauma and the weight of what is about to come upon him physically and spiritually is pressing down on Jesus. But he says, your will be done, Father, not mine. And so here we are in this, as we're praying this in our lives, um, think about all the decisions that we make, big, big, big decisions about jobs and money and family and marriage and all the different dynamics that we're engaging in as human beings. And this is a place where we can open that door and we can walk in and have a conversation with our father. You're our father, you're in heaven. I honor and I fear you. And Lord, on this issue in my life, I'm asking to understand your will and I'm submitting, I'm choosing to submit to this decision right now. I'm gonna lift it out from what my soul wants and I'm gonna let it go and give it to you and say, not my will, but yours be done on earth. I mean, that, that means in general, yes, big earth, you know, all over the world, globe, Jesus coming, his return, absolutely, amen. But I also think that in this prayer, it's very specific uh, to you and your patch of land and your family, your community, your missional assignment, your, the, the, your influence, that, the, that the, the will of your heavenly father would be done in your sphere of influence that he's given you to steward for his glory. And so this can be, this can literally look different every day and every, every hour you pray this, like, I've got this decision in front of me, Lord. And I'm not talking about, do you have tuna fish sandwich or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch? I, I mean, I'm talking about those decisions that, that are weighty and that we're, we're, we're making a decision, Lord, your will be done, that I'd be where you want me to be doing what you want me to be doing, stewarding what you're calling me to steward. And it's for your glory. Give us this day our daily bread. I love this one. You know, we can just, again, open that door. He's our provider. Gives us our daily bread. You know, um, he physically provides for the entire world. We, we've been reading that in the Psalms. Like he's feeding the whole world from the, the palm of his hand. He's good. He's, a, he, he's kind. He's generous. He feeds the birds of the air. Um, he takes care of the plants. He's this generous, bounteous, physical provider. And yet he also says, 
we don't live by uh, bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so I think in this part of the prayer, maybe there's an aspect of wisdom that you really, really need. You need a word from, from the Lord. Your soul needs to hear what, what is he saying to you? And, and in your prayer life, do you actually pause and let them just wait? You know, so often we, in our prayers, we can just skip through our list, done, okay, I'm on my, on my way. And we'll just leave it in the, in the hands of the Lord to kind of interrupt me if he wants to say something. But I think give me this day, my daily bread is, a, is an invitation to just linger and wait. Father, is there something you want to say to me? about you and me and are we are we open to hearing that um that he's kind and compassionate he doesn't um you know a bruised reed he doesn't break a smoldering wick he doesn't extinguish that when we're coming to him in this relationship of father yes he might say some things that are are uh, challenging and, and calling us up and into better decisions but in my experience, that's not condemnation. And a lot of times he has very kind things to say to our hearts. Um, and you might struggle with that. And, and so, you know, people are like, well, when we go through this practice, we'll, we'll, we'll be teaching people about prayer and like, well, what did the Lord say to you? Well, he said he loved me. And they're struggling to believe that. It's like, it's actually okay. That's, that's what the Bible says. We know he loves you. Um, but it's almost like our hearts can be so traumatized that we even just giving the idea that God would want to speak to me personally, it, it's almost like it's too good to be true for sons and daughters of the king. And that's what I mean when we talk about the enemy has convinced us to give away our birthright. You know, John 10 said, you know, 1010, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You know. This relationship, he gave us this whole book of Psalms. He gave us the Bible so that we can have these experiences and commune with him. And the, the vine and the branches reality is word in us and his love in us. And this prayer, this communication with almighty God is precious. It's necessary. It's how the outpost that we were talking about with David Wilkerson, it's how your military outpost receives intelligence and power so that you can function the way that God wants you to function on the earth. It's this heavenly communication and this pipeline between your heart and our heavenly father's heart that's essential. And so I think this give us the day or daily bread is about physical provision, but it is also this place of, but I don't live by that. I live by your word. Every, every word that proceeds from your mouth and so what, Lord, speak to me. I need to know what you're saying to me right now. And then we know he, the prayer transitions into forgive me my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. And I think the Lord wants us to be ruthlessly specific in this part of the prayer. Because he, he put it in there, whenever you pray, he wants us to pray this prayer. And so forgiveness is so critical that Jesus bakes it right into our conversation with the Father every day. Keep those short accounts. Who do I need to forgive today? Um, and more specifically, Lord, here's where I'm falling short and sinning against you. In thought, word, and deed, like David said, search me, know me, test me, um, uh, probe me. Where am I? Where am I off base? 
And again, I think we can just kind of rest in this place of knowing, Lord, part of the, the gift of the Holy Spirit is that he'll convict us of sin. We don't have to invent sins. I mean, if you know you've sinned, you know you've sinned, but I don't, you, you know, if he's not convicting you, I don't think you have to invent sins to feel guilt, guilty over and flog yourself. Um, but I think every day we need to be in the habit of talking to God about our lives and our hearts and our thoughts and against what the scripture says and against the, the character and nature of Jesus. All discipleship is about con being conformed into his image. And so that's part of the, of the reality of, you know, we're on this journey of sanctification and we're learning to be more like him through all of these difficult ups and downs in life and to talk to him about those things. And I think in this prayer, he's baked in this opportunity to have a conversation with him about, Lord, these are the ways I'm falling short. Father, I'm so sorry. Um, I shouldn't have said that to my wife or I, I, I shouldn't have said that to my kid or, or whatever, whatever that the thing is. And when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But then Jesus, of course, takes it to the next level. You need to forgive those who've sinned against you. And he said, after he finishes the prayer, he comes back to this point. It's so important. He like underlines it. You've got to forgive. Otherwise, your heavenly father won't forgive your sins. Ouch. That's, that one stings. But this is for our own good. We have to take it as, a, as the loving God of the universe knows what plagues the human soul the most. And bitterness and unforgiveness, we can... When we, when we drink from that cup, we poison ourselves. And he wants us free from that bitterness and that hatred and that unforgiveness. Um, it's bad for our own system. And so if that builds up, that, that gets in the way and begin like Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were hiding because they were terrified of God and they, they didn't come to him with sin. Uh, they ran from God, and that's what we all do um, as human beings. We, we don't come to the Lord with our brokenness and our sin. We think he hates us, and he's going to destroy us, and, and so we have to run from him, or we try to, but this prayer is teaching us, no, you need to be honest and authentic and real with God about what's going on in your world, and the grace and the mercy that you've experienced from him, you've got to be willing to give that to other children that are made in his image. And I love this about Jesus because he models everything he teaches us. He doesn't just tell us these things that are impossible to keep, but he shows us. And so, you know, you think back to Peter in the Last Supper, you know, Peter's like, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. <laughs> and Jesus is like, you know, Pete, uh, Satan has asked to sift you. And before the rooster crows three times, you're going twice. You're going to have, you will have denied me three times. And then he says this, though, but nevertheless, Peter, I've prayed for you, and when you return, strengthen your brothers. Wow. This is Jesus' best friend, who's in a few minutes is going to say, I never even knew him. I don't even know that man. He actually says, the Bible says he cusses, he swears. I didn't even know him. What I mean, and Jesus knows he's going to do that. But Peter's failure in that moment doesn't define 
his character and his nature from Jesus' perspective. It doesn't limit the plan of God in Peter's life, even when we fail. The tenderness of God to not only view us through the prism of that one singular event. We struggle with that. We really struggle with, with failure. And we look at ourselves through a very narrow one moment in time. I really blew it here. And therefore, I put on that cloak of shame and dishonor. And that's who I am. But the Lord says, no, that isn't who you are, Peter. And, in a, and really, 50 days later, Peter's standing up on Pentecost, and he's preaching the greatest sermon in human history, where 3,000 people get saved. And he's an apostle and an elder in the early church. And so I believe that Jesus modeled this part so that we could, like him, not let, when people let us down, we don't view them through that one narrow experience and say, well, that's who they are. They lied on me, so they're a liar. Well, okay, they, they blew it. They did lie, but have you ever told a lie? Okay. Did God forgive you for that? Yeah, okay. You got to let them go. And that's not actually who they are. Ask the Father who they are. What's your plan there, Jesus? Who do you see them as? And this, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just saying I believe this is what this prayer is leading us into as we engage and his word is remaining in us. It changes us. You know, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes us. We sit in his presence and his truth impacts our heart and, and radically affects our thoughts and our motives. That's why what we're doing with Bread for the Journey is so important. You know, we're, we're spending time in his word and his word is impacting us and changing us. And so we carry on down the prayer, you know, lead me not into temptation. And just, just bouncing back to what Wilkerson was saying, you know, this is kind of the prophetic leadership of Jesus. He knows what's coming around the corner, just like he did with Peter in the illustration we just said. Peter, Satan has asked to sift you, um, but I prayed for you. How comforting is it to know that Jesus is praying for us? He, the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession, and he's seated at that right hand of the Father. No, he's not just sitting back with his feet up on a on a uh, uh, you know on a lazy boy watching TV. Jesus is making intercession. He's seated, seated down at the right hand of the Father. Is a posture of authority. He's ruling. He's been given all authority in heaven and on the earth. And he's been given the name above all names. And he's praying for you and he's praying for me. And he knows what's coming around the bend. And he's praying that, and when we pray this prayer, Lord, lead me not into temptation. We're inviting him to help us to anticipate those snares and identify obstacles and temptations and distractions and avoid them. We, we, we will fall into less temptations and snares if we pray this prayer and ask for his uh, grace and his help in this part of our lives. You know, we live in such a busy, noisy world. Distractions and temptations are everywhere, everywhere. And we are, like I said earlier, you know, your, your spirit, soul, and body. And we're weak. You know, the Lord said, look, your, your spirit is willing, but your flesh really is weak. And so it's not about being super spiritual elite. 
because we, we pray really hard because we're super spiritually elite Navy SEALs. No, no, no. If we don't do this, we will fall because that, that is the very nature of what a human being is, is weak. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But when we're connected to him, we're going to be able to anticipate a lot of those snares and a lot of those temptations because the spirit is being given. We're inviting his leadership. We're submitting ourselves to it intentionally. And, and so we're, we're getting that, that anticipatory heads up on what's coming around the bend. Um, and then he says, but deliver me from evil. Wow. You know, evil is real. I've talked to some Christians who don't believe in demons. They don't believe in a literal, excuse me, literal Satan. And, you know, I don't understand. It doesn't, you know, I mean, people can believe what, what they want to uh, in terms of their worldview. I just think you've got to be logically consistent with your own worldview. And a Christian who says, well, I believe in Jesus, but doesn't believe in Satan, it, it just breaks down because you have to ask, well, did Jesus believe in Satan? Well, he certainly did. So if, if you don't believe in, a, in, a, in the reality of evil, spiritual evil, the, the, the nature and core of a, of a personal reality of evil in this world, of entities, and I'm not talking about human beings, I'm talking about princes, spirit, fallen angels, spirit princes, like in the book of Daniel, that these are beings that are ruling and governing principalities. You know, Paul talks about this in Ephesians, uh, powers and principalities. If we're not aware of that, um, I think we're, we're literally, like Peter says, like, be, be aware that there's an enemy who's seeking to devour you like a lion. Like the devil walks around prowling, looking for someone to devour. And so evil is hunting us. And Jesus talked about it, said, look, what they do to the teacher, they're going to do to the student. What they do to the green tree, they'll, what are they going to do to the dry tree? And so basically, guys, what, what, we, what Jesus is saying, what happens to me is going to happen to you. And so in this prayer every day is this place of um, deliverance. It's a place of God's protection and vigilance. And again, we're, we're back to that idea of the outpost, the, the military apparatus we're, we're combat ready in the spirit. We're putting on the armor of God as we go about our day and we're connecting with him throughout the day on this reality of saying, you know, there are evil entities that want to see us destroyed. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. And so he's here to give us that life and we are, we have to make that choice, but it's clear what the enemy is trying to do. It's trying to steal our hope, uh, you know, kill our faith and destroy, destroy our lives. And so, you know, you could literally have, think about the same person could, could have two radically different days. You know, day one person goes through about their life and they don't connect with God, don't worship, don't pray, um, just live their life according to what they're seeing with their eyes. Second example would be the same person, same day, but in an instant, they can set their mind and kind of tune into this frequency and they can have an entirely different experience in that day. 
it's available to them. It's like around us right now are all these invisible radio frequencies. You can tune into any, any radio station you want to on FM. I think there's, you know, WJZUS, Jesus, you know, you can tune in to Jesus frequency. And when you do that, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a second away. He's as close as your next breath. He's inside of you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. And it's this power inside of us that we can connect to and relate to. And he wants us every day, just as we're confessing sin and forgiving others. He's like, don't forget you have an enemy that's out to wreck you. And so keep your head on that swivel. Walk with me and, and get the armor of God on and invite me into that place of being your deliverer. And then the end of the prayer, you know, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. These are other words that we can just lose ourselves in. Like we're talking about the going in those doors or, or on the, the jetway at the airport, you could just take off and go to a realm called God's power. The Bible says he, that in, in the book of Hebrews, all things are held together by the word of his power. The entire universe is held together by the word of God, of the Father's power. He spoke everything into existence. And the more uh, science is trying to define reality, the more they're lining up with biblical truth, whether they, whether they understand it or not. Because God, God wove it this way. His power is, is manifested. The invisible God is... His, his character and his nature is made manifest in the visible creation. And so we can just lose ourselves in the idea of God's power. Think about all the stories in the Bible about God's power. Yours is the power. Remember that time you split the Red Sea? Remember that time you healed Naaman of leprosy? You've got the power over every disease. Remember that time, Jesus, you raised that little girl who was dead? Right, We can just go through this litany of the manifestations of God's power. And this is the other thing that the book of Psalms really does. It calls to mind, remember who God is and remember what he's done. And we're going to erect memorials of worship. And we have to go through that exercise of remembering because we forget. You know, we're, we're faced with the next challenge. And so it's basically like, well, God, what have you done for me lately? This next thing is really, really hard. And that's what I'm focused on. That's the only thing I can see. And the Lord's like, no, cast your mind and your heart back. Remember who I am and remember how I've walked with you every day of your life. Remember how I've delivered you over and over and over again. And allow that truth to lift your head. And, and let that be true. You know, we can get lost in that word glory. You know, the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Like what, what is that going to be like? The glory of the Lord. He dwells in inapproachable light. He clothes himself in light. He sits on a throne that's basically a 360 degree rainbow. There's a, a sea that's in front of him that's mingled with fire. Water and fire are mingled in his presence. I don't know what that looks like, but I imagine it's probably the most beautiful thing we, we will ever see if he lets us have a glimpse of it. The sapphire pavement we've got in, in, the, in the New Jerusalem 
roads that are paved with translucent gold. And the foundations of the city are these amazing gemstones that have that can refract light perfectly. They, in other words, his light is gonna shine through these foundational gemstones and the, the, the magnitude of the beauty that that will be. That's um, what Paul said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can even conceive. We cannot conceive his glory and his beauty. And when it did happen in the scriptures, when the Shekinah glory of God came down, the priests, this is in Solomon's time, the priests couldn't even carry on their uh, their duties. They were out. They were laid out. They could not even get up off the ground because God's glory came. We've got angels showing up, and this isn't God. These are just his angels, and every time angels show up, it's like people are falling down terrified, like almost like they're dead, and the angel's like, okay, it's time to get up, little buddy. Like There's some things we got to talk about. You're, don't be don't be scared don't be afraid do not be afraid do not be afraid over and over and over again these are just his angels so the glory of god we can just begin to meditate set our minds on it what circumstance in life can stop the power of god is he limited in some way and i think this is why paul's saying like if he is for us who can be against us? And he's going to work all things together for good because that is who he is. And that's the beauty of these Psalms. That's the beauty of the Lord's Prayer. That's the beauty of opening this door of meditation and reflection and, and setting our minds on things above, like we, we read in Colossians chapter three. The power and the beauty and the, and the truth of God's word impacting the human heart and setting us free from the tyranny of fear the tyranny of doubt, the tyranny of worry and anxiety. We can walk with him through that. We don't have to be mastered by those things. Again, those, those realities, the world wants to put a cap on us and crush us. In fact, that's what the word persecution means. It means a slow grinding, wearing down. And so all these circumstances that, that get thrown at us are designed to do one thing, get our eyes off God and wear us down. But we can just open those doors. He's a moment away like David and Ziklag. Strengthen, we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And I think Psalms is the playbook. We can launch into any number of beauty realms in God. In a moment, we can take our, our souls. Can I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to worship. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to declare who he is. When we're praying the Lord's Prayer, like we just walked through, you know, every day, man, we can just hang out there. We don't have to blast through it. We can give our, ourselves permission. You know, he gave us an imagination. And we can use that imagination for good or for evil. But why did he give it to us? When I say the word uh, Honolulu Beach or Waikiki, in your minds, you now are seeing this beautiful Hawaiian beach. Or I say the word sunset or uh, mountaintop beauty. I'm using words, but you're able to imagine what they look like in, the, in your mind's eye. Why did he give that to us if it isn't for what we're talking about tonight? What a gift. What a gift. All right, well, it is 8.30. I've, I've yammered on enough. 
I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then uh, we're going to jump in, and I'd love to hear what you guys are thinking as you've been reading the Psalms. So, Father, we just, <laughs> we just say that word, Father. You're a good Father. You love us. And we invite you into our, our discussion, Lord, uh, that you would inspire us and teach us and set us free so that we can, as you prayed, that we would be one as you and the Father are one. That we could abide in your word, your word could remain in us, and your love can remain in us. You can change us, you can uh, lift our heads as we go through this life. And we just declare, Lord, that you are good, you are faithful. The battle belongs to the Lord, and, and the glory and the power are yours and yours alone. There is only one who is worthy of worship. And so tonight, we just give you the honor. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. And I thank you for brothers and sisters on the call, Lord. Pray that you'd be with us as we uh, continue the conversation in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I invite you, if you have anything you'd like to, to share, maybe you have a question or a thought or a comment, feel free to jump off mute or raise your hand. and. Yeah, what, what's going on in your guys' minds as you think about the Psalms and what we talked about tonight? All of this just has been so encouraging. It just really has stirred my heart up in such a joyful way, just hearing these reminders of who God is and, and even just being encouraged to stop and open the door, like you said, at these different points of the Lord's Prayer, just really coming into a depth, you know, making it intimate not just, um, like you said, like a procedure, um, you know, making it yours, not just part of a subscribed prayer. You know, I just think it's beautiful. And even just hearing all of the explanations over, you know, what is yet to come and what God has declared about, you know, how things look in, in the heavenlies and what they're going to look like. And, you know, the new Jerusalem, all of those things just cause my soul to just um, well, my spirit to just leap, you know, um, with excitement. I just can't wait for the day. Praise the Lord. Yeah, the same thing. I, I love the Psalms. And when I'm with the Lord in my quiet place, I sometimes will say, Jesus, would you pick out a Psalm for me uh, to declare and pray and, and just meditate on? Would you pick out a Psalm for me? And it is a beautiful time where you can go to another place. And I love what you said about emotions. I cry a lot. And, but growing up, I didn't cry a lot. I didn't want to cry in front of people, but everybody on this Bible study knows Chantel cries. I'm talking to somebody at church. And as soon as I mentioned Jesus's name, I, my I feel sorry for my husband. There was a man in front of me and I wanted to tell him something about Jesus. And as soon as I said, Jesus I started crying and Andy, we were leaving church. He said, I think people are going to look at you and say, oh, that lady's crying again. I said, I can't help it. I just get so touched. But I think it's because of all the years I held everything in because I had to be the strong one in the family. 
And I just thought, well, I, I can't cry. So I think the Lord now is like, you going to cry buckets full and that's okay because it's coming out. But I just get so touched talking about Jesus, but the Psalms helps. And I love the way that you described everything and walking through our father. I have been doing that lately. And um, I have to encourage myself in the Lord every day. It's a battle. It's a battle every day. I mean, I, I don't know how people say it's not because I wake up and I have to, I have to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning, Father God. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I have to declare it because it's a battle. I, I mean, we're marked, you know, and, um, but God. Appreciate the encouragement. I like thinking about these things and, you know, it kind of makes me angry that the enemy is taking meditation away from us. And, you know, like prayer is like, oh, it's this super rigid religious practice that has no life in it and it's boring and people have to grit their teeth there to get their way through it. And I'm like, this is not. You know, when you read the book of Psalms, that's not what's going on at all. When you, when you read the Gospels, that's not what's happening. But somehow the enemy has convinced us that some of the very best gifts of God are the most boring things in the world. And, you know, people are like, well, I tried God and he was boring. I'm like, man, God's not boring. You're boring. You know, I'm boring. God's not boring. Um, but why are we not giving ourselves permission to go to this place? Like, you know, when David says, like, one thing I desire is to gaze on your beauty, to dwell in your house forever. Wow. Okay. He says there's a, a river of God's delight. Think about it. like if you that's a that's a fun door to open. What's a what's a, a a river of liquid delight? That's like the least boring thing in the universe. If you could put it on your bathing suit and jump in a river of delight, what is that experience going to be like? But apparently God's got one. And, you know, maybe we should think about it a little bit more than we do, um, because we, we settle, like C.S. Lewis says, like, we have no vision for what God is offering us, because we can't understand what he's saying when he wants to take us to a day at the beach. We settle for making mud pies in the back alley. It's, so these are, are, are truths that are transcendent and beautiful that exist in God, but, but my limited understanding and my limited vision can't comprehend what the scriptures actually say. And then the enemy comes in and be like, no, Jed, that's illegal. That you just committed an offsides penalty. You can't, you can't use your imagination to think about these things. That's that's a that's a personal foul. Uh, and the and the spirit of religion is there to slap our hands. And I'm like, no, wait, hang on a sec. Let's liberate this a little bit and let's actually take the Bible at what, at, at what it simply says, who God is and, and what he's inviting us into. And let's get lost in that for a while because I'll tell you, this world is a dark place and we need more light. We need the presence of God. All right, I'm sorry, I'm giving another preach. Go, somebody else, please cut me off. I just wanted to mention as well, because Chantel brought it up, but praying the Psalms, I just think that for, you know, those that might not have yet 
experienced or tried praying the Psalms, if you don't have a really active prayer life or don't feel like you know what to pray, sometimes it really is a great starting point to just start in the Psalms and go verse by verse and stop maybe after a verse and pray it back to God in your own way. You know, just he just said something in the word and you're just like, Lord, you are this, you are this. And then maybe acknowledging ways that he's shown this to you or whatever might come to your heart, because it'll be the Holy spirit that's helping you then to pray with that. But it's also just a great um, tool for us to learn how to pray the perfect will of God by praying the word of God. Beautiful. Absolutely. hundred percent. Right. You know, I think that's exactly what I think we're supposed to do. Um, enter in. Like these are personal. Like when David says, you deliver me because you delight in me. If that, if, if, if what that means is, um, oh, that, that's just David. David's the only one that God feels that way about. That, what a lame, that's just lame. That's not what it's saying at all. It's an example to us. He's not an exception. It's not like, oh, David is the exceptional one, and God will never, never wants to walk that way with another person because, Jed, you'll never be like King David. No, oh, he's saying this is an example. Like, this is, this is the love of God. And the Holy Spirit's like somehow taking David into a realm, and David is penning truth. And the Lord's like, this is really good. This is for everybody. This is for this is for my people. This is for human beings. And David is my vessel to, to communicate these truths to. And so awesome. I love what you said. We pray it personally. You deliver me because you delight in me. Do you believe that God delights in you? That God delights in you. Like you think about the the the, the picture in your mind of a father and with a little girl or a little boy out for an ice cream cone. And the father or grandfather is like beaming, looking down at this little child. And the focus of his gaze is on that little child. And the little child, whatever that kid is doing, is moving the heart of this father or grandfather. I mean, that's as, as much as that can move our hearts, that's an imperfect picture of the perfect reality that exists in God's heart. He delights, he delivers you because he delights in you. Wow. And you make it personal to your point, Krista. That that's transformative if we hang out in that room a little bit and let it change us, let it let it impact our thoughts. And I love what you said about how the enemy tries to steal, because that is something that he works on me. He tries to steal my joy and and has tried for a while and I that's where I have to work hard and encourage myself in the Lord and declare his word and um and just now it's it's easier because I it's just the presence of Jesus uh, I know that he fights for me and you know, the enemy will say different things like God doesn't want to hear what you have to say today. I mean, do you remember that you just did that? Do you really think you, you can go to him? So all of those things, I'm sure that we've all go through. And what I'm learning now is to just walk, just walk in, just walk in and sit down 
And then the presence of Jesus just comes every time, every time he is so faithful. And I don't have to be in that closet. He's with me right now, but I think we all probably have experienced that. So I hope that all of us can just go in. Amen. Yeah, Bethany, please jump on in here. Hi, I was looking at Psalm 37 today, and there's just a lot in there. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. And go down further. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Don't fret. Cease from anger, for it only causes harm. I mean... This is an antidote for even getting near the television news. <laughs> and then, you know, if, uh, if you have some issue with lack in your life, it says, verse 19, they shall not be ashamed in the evil time and the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. So even if there's a shortage of something, he satisfies us. He takes care of us. You know, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I've been young and now I'm old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Hallelujah. So, uh yeah 34 wait on the lord keep his way he shall exalt you to inherit the land he is our strength in the time of trouble so just loving that one just wanted to share thank you awesome thank you bethany yeah there's so many examples and um again each concept is this place this that we could just disappear and get lost in the in the idea that's being communicated the truth about god uh, and so we've been given 150 of these psalms that are all these doorways but I, I was thinking i heard this statement this week about um charles spurgeon and he said if we were only given psalm 103 it would be sufficient by itself the truths that are laid out in Psalm 103. Uh, and, and so you, you, we're basically at this huge, giant buffet, smorgasbord feast table. And Psalm 103 would have been enough, according to Spurgeon. Like that's enough food spiritually that you, you could hang out on that psalm the rest of your life. And that'll be enough. But nope, God just tacks on 149 others uh, and says, have, have at it. Just get lost. You'll never come to the end of the beauty of these passages. If I may just tack on something I read this afternoon that kind of goes with what Chantel um, was just sharing a moment ago about um, being aware of the enemy that uh, he, you know, that we know that the Bible tells us we do have um, the enemy seeking to devour us. And it just gave in something I read today, um, just a great illustration. It says, when the fiery arrow is launched, that's the lie being spoken. 
When I raise my shield to deflect the arrow, I am choosing to believe God's word. That's protection. When I wield my sword, I am actively attacking the liar. That's advancement. And so he gives a couple of examples and he he uses the word uh, or he uses the thought from the enemy. God will never forgive your past. And he says arrow launched. And then he uses the word. If I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me. That is shield raised. And then he says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, enemy defeated. And then he gives another example um, with pornography. And he says that the enemy launches an arrow and says, you should look at pornography right now. Nobody will know it. It will satisfy. And then I will set no wicked thing before my eyes, shield raised. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, enemy destroyed. And so just to complete the thought diagram there. He's, he gives this example of shield and sword, defense and offense, belief and declaration, trust God and resist the devil, accept the word, and then rebuke the enemy with the word. This means that you may have to work through several lies to see victory, shield, sword, shield, sword. Oh, I love that. That reminds me when I was little, I used to love Wonder Woman because she had the bracelets and she'd go pew, 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 pew. And I didn't watch many of those things, but I loved Wonder Woman. I thought she was amazing. So I'm going to do that now. Shield, sword, shield, sword. I love that. I'm actually going to say it, shield. And here comes the sword. I love that, Krista. Thank you for that. Amen. (laughs) Anyone else have any uh, thoughts they'd like to share this evening? Give, Give you a little more space. Good evening, everyone. And I've enjoyed the lesson. I've enjoyed it, what everybody was saying. And the Psalms, for me, when I look at them and I read them, and I see that this is what the true intimacy with God. We know all who he is and who he wants us to be and how we can go to him with anything and everything. And um, I love it because it is, it's, it's intimate. It's very intimate. Um, my one of my favorite scriptures and i was looking at it was psalm 92 and it just as i was reading it it says it is good to give thanks to the lord to sing praises to the most high it is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning your faithfulness in the evening accompanied by the ten stringed harp and the melody of the lyre you thrill me lord with all you have done for me I sing for joy because of what you have done. And when I get to verse four and it says, you thrill me, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, that resonates with me because he does thrill me with everything that he's done, everything that he is doing and what he's about to do. So that thrills me. And that gives me that 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 intimacy and knowing that even in the morning and the evening and every every part of the day, every second of the day, he is doing something and showing me his greatness and his faithfulness and his love and um, his unfailing love um, toward um, to, toward me and everyone else. So that's one of my one of my I'm going to say all of my favorite, but this one is my favorite. And um, because he does. And I love it when you said you thrill me, Lord, you thrill me. That's so exciting to me. That is just so exciting to me. Love it. Appreciate you, Connie. It's always good to hear your voice, friend. Well, appreciate you all. Thanks for joining us on another Bread for the Journey. Uh, It's been great to be together. So I'll say a word of prayer and uh, we can 
pop off. So Father, we uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for thrilling us uh, as you do as we walk through life. Uh, if we could spend the rest of our lives just talking about all the things that you've done for us personally. Um, so we are, it is good to thank the Lord and to enter your courts with thanksgiving and your gates with praise. So we just declare, Lord, you are good and you're, you're so worthy and you're holy and we uh, love you and we worship you and we, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. You have not dealt with us according to our iniquities. You've been merciful and kind and gracious. And thank you for um, calling us and choosing us and welcoming us in, adopting us and healing us and restoring us. We thank you for the truths that we talked about tonight, even though we're, we're not even fully able to comprehend, let alone walk in the fullness of these. But we pray that by your grace, Lord, we would walk in them a little bit more tomorrow than we did today and a little bit more the day after that and so on. And in that way, Lord, you could take us deeper and deeper wherever we are on our journey in you, Lord, we would encounter you and go deeper into the beauty and the glory and the power of who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so, as always, I just want to remind everybody, we will have prayer on Wednesday and would love for you to join us. There's four times available in the morning at 7, at uh, 12 noon, at 7 p.m. and at 11 p.m. And so you can find out what our prayer topics are on our website. If you'll just click on prayer, we would um, love to have you join us. And uh, otherwise, continue to um, follow along with the breadcrumbs each day on the website with your daily readings. And we will look forward to seeing you again next Monday. Praise the Lord. Shalom. 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 Sweet dreams. Put your shields up. Shalom. Amen. Shields up. Shields up. <laughs> shield, sword, shield, sword. Shield, sword, shield, shield, sword.